Have you ever taken a long road trip? Sometimes the drive itself can become just as much of an experience as the destination. My husband Nick and I went to college in southern Florida, and after having to hitch a ride to get places our freshman year, we decided to make the 24-hour drive from New Hampshire to West Palm Beach in my worn-down Nissan Altima, so we'd have our own transportation. We coordinated a couple stops with friends. We'd drive around eight hours each day and make it there in three days. We actually printed out directions using MapQuest. This was before smartphones. We loaded up on snacks, woke up early, and hit the road. By our senior year, we had made the trip several times, and we actually enjoyed it, but it wasn't without a hiccup or two. Once, we had to drive in the sweltering heat of August in Florida without air conditioning, encountered a hurricane leaving us with close to zero visibility, and had to scramble at the last minute to find alternative housing when one of our stops fell through. Right before our final trip after graduation with my car on its last legs, a mechanic told us, good luck, the axles might fall right off while you're driving. Now he may have been over exaggerating, but I'm sure you can imagine our panic when the check engine light turned on with eight hours left to go. Thankfully, we made it there in one piece. But needless to say, it was an adventure. Road trips can be like that, right? Unexpected. There can be stretches of rough road, bad weather, detours, slowdowns, or car trouble. That's just what the psalmist had in mind when he wrote Psalm 121. Okay, maybe not the car trouble. Psalm 121 is a prayer for those facing any sort of journey. In the day it was written, Difficult journeys were a part of life. Every year, Israelites would make the long trek from their homes to Jerusalem for three annual festivals. The people would have had to travel from the lowland plains where they lived over rough, rocky terrain uphill to Jerusalem, which is nestled in a group of mountains. This psalm is believed to have been a travel song of sorts, sung by the Israelites while they were on their way as they ascended the temple steps or cor corporately during festival worship. Jesus would have sung this psalm with his parents as a child and with the disciples on the way to the annual festivals. But most commentaries agree it was also intended as a metaphor for the journey of life. Here is Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The psalmist begins by asking himself a question and the rest of the psalm answers it. Where does my help come from? With a difficult journey before him, the psalmist puts his hope in the unshakable character of God. It was upon his character 
that the Israelite had confidence he would reach the holy city. And we have that same confidence that we will reach the end, that we'll finish the race, that we will see the glory of eternity with him. Because as we'll see in this psalm, God is our creator, our helper, and our keeper. When the going gets rough, when the path is uncertain or rocky, we know we can cling to our Lord because of who he is. Let's take a closer look to see why. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Imagine you are an Israelite setting out on your pilgrimage to worship in Jerusalem. Perhaps you are worried about the journey, what dangers lie on the path or the effort it will take to climb with your family. But you lift your eyes to see the hills. Within those hills lies the holy city, the temple of God, the very presence of the Lord. Perhaps the hills are a reminder of the grandeur of the Creator God. The psalmist cries out, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Worshiping the Creator God reminds our hearts that He is the origin of all things. He is the one who holds all things together. I know many of you who hike, ski, or just enjoy sitting on the beach will agree that creation acts as an open invitation to worship. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nature is too thin a screen. The glory of the omnipresent God bursts through everywhere. Isn't that so true? Especially now as spring is upon us and the trees are um, budding and the flowers are blooming, nature is just teeming with the glory of God. Jesus, too, used nature as evidence of the Father's sovereign protection over us. He said, consider the lilies of the field. In other words, if God cares for them, he can take care of you. The psalmist proclaims the one who created the heavens and the earth and commands them, created me and so commands my every step. The second strophe of Psalm 121 reassures the reader of another of God's steadfast attributes his constancy. Psalm 121 follows a common line progression in the Psalms that says, line A, what's more, line B. The NIV says, he will not let your foot slip. What's more, he who watch watches over you will not slumber. God, thankfully, is not like us. He needs no rest. He never grows weary. He is omnipresent, everywhere at once. And as the ESV commentary puts it, ever watchful. To the Israelite, this would distinguish God from the gods of the pagan religions. Legends depict Baal as a sleepy god. He was known for it. It was actually a job for one of the priests to wake him up. We sort of see it in the story of Elijah when he challenges the Baal worshippers to see whose god would respond, Baal or Elijah's god, the one true god. The Baal prophets build their altar and Elijah builds his. The prophets call to Baal from morning to noon, but the wood remains untouched. Elijah taunts them, saying, Oh, perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. Of course, Baal never answers. Elijah has water poured onto his wood altar three times, cries out to God, and the offering in all of the wood, even the water, is completely consumed by fire from heaven. Our God responds. He never slumbers or sleeps. He is ever watchful over his people. These are the faithful attributes of God in which we can hope.
The next line says, Behold, he who keeps Israel. Here we see the psalmist reminding himself and his fellow Israelites of God's faithfulness to their nation. Certainly we can see in the Old Testament how God sustained the nation of Israel. Through generations of slavery in Egypt, decades of wandering in the desert, years of foreign captivity. God was faithful to Israel even when Israel was not, failing God's law and chasing after other gods. If we look back on church history, something I myself admit I need to do more of, we see how God has preserved his church for centuries in the face of oppression, false gospels, and public failings. Jesus told Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Just think about it. What started with a few fishermen has grown to over 2 billion Christians worldwide, studies suggest. We tend to lament the doling of the American faith, but think of how vast God has grown his church, and it is still growing. We as a church recently baptized new believers. Praise God. This psalm should bolster us that the God who sustained Israel, who has sustained the church for generations and generations, will continue to sustain it. He will sustain from the nation of Israel to the Israelite personally. The pronoun you in the remaining verses is the singular in the original language. It was not just for Israel as a nation, but a personal message of God's watchful care. The next strophe begins, the Lord is my keeper. That word keeper comes from the Hebrew word shamar, which is translated to guard, protect, preserve, or watch over. So the Lord is our guardian, our protector. He watches over us. Another translates it to exercise great care over. The word shamar first appears in the Old Testament in Genesis 2.15, which says, the Lord God took the man put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. His charge to Adam was to take care of and cultivate the garden. It's also the same word used in Genesis 17:9 and elsewhere when God says to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. Here God is calling Abraham and his descendants to honor or be faithful to the covenant to follow God. So if we unpack that a little, God as our keeper takes care of and cultivates us like a prized garden. He is not an absent gardener, passively watching over the growth of the plants and the flowers. He is actively involved in preparing, weeding, pruning, watering, and yielding the beauty of the harvest. And God as our keeper is faithful to his covenant promise as someone bound to the stipulations of a legal contract. And his perfect character precludes him from being unfaithful. He is unwavering in his promise to never leave us nor forsake us. There's another meaning of this word, shamar. The literal, literal translation is to hedge about with thorns. In the days of the Israelites, when a shepherd was out tending his flock at night, he would gather thorn bushes to create a sort of makeshift pen for them as he slept for his sheep. The thorns would keep the sheep in the pen and keep predators out. This would allow the shepherd to keep his sheep under his watchful care and also protect them from the dangers of the world. Protected from wandering, shielded from being taken. 
The attributes of God we see in the Old Testament are magnified in the person of Jesus Christ in the New. Jesus, our shepherd, promised, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. When I was studying this word, shamar, and its roots to hedge about with thorns, I was reminded of the story of Elisha in the Old Testament when the king of Syria is after him. The king sends an army to surround the city where Elisha is staying. And when Elisha's servant wakes up, he runs outside and is terrified by the scene before him, a sea of soldiers on every side. So he runs back inside to tell Elisha, but Elisha tells him, do not be afraid for those, are, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prays to God and asks that his servant's eyes may be opened. When the servant looks again, he sees that beyond this great army, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Despite the glaring danger before him, Elisha had a greater vision. He saw what was actual reality, that God had hedged him in on every side. This concept of God's watchful care as our keeper is reaffirmed in the next line. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. There are several passages that describe God's people as being protected under God's shade. Like Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It is a restful place away from the threat of the harsh elements. The NIV application commentary suggests that soldiers at this time carried their shield in their left hand, which left their right side unprotected and vulnerable to attack. God at our right hand is a common saying in the Psalms, like 109.31, which says, He stands at the right hand of the needy one. To me, as I read these kind of verses, it has always assured me of God's closeness. If he is at my right hand, he must be close, walking with me and guarding me. As we continue with the psalm, we see the psalmist describe God protecting the Israelite pilgrim from sun by day and the moon by night. Walking for days in the heat of the sun would leave Israelites vulnerable to heat stroke. And the mention of the moon here may be a nod to the pagan idea that curses from the moon god caused emotional illness. Again, the NIV application commentary argues that the psalmist is using a literary device called Maris Muse in which two contrasting concepts are placed together to encapsulate the whole. So for example, scripture verses that say God created the heavens and the earth means he created the heavens and the earth and everything in between. God protecting us from the sun and the moon means he protects us day and night, 24 hours a day, every day without ceasing. The psalmist does this again at the end of Psalm 121 saying, God watches over our going out and our coming in. The idea is that there is no moment we are not under his divine care. The final strophe of Psalm 121 says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord will keep your life. We have to ask here, what is the psalmist saying? Is this a promise of a life without pain, without suffering? Are we to expect no evil against us and no evil within us? If we read the New Testament, 
We know we're not promised a pain-free, care-free, sin-free life. Romans 5 says we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So what does this mean for us? The New American Standard Bible translates this part of the psalm as the Lord will keep your soul. And I think this is fitting because if, if we are a child of God, he will allow suffering in our lives. We may endure physical illness or injury, emotional or psychological distress, or the pain of loss. We may even lose our lives, but he will keep our souls. Eugene Peterson said, the promise of the psalm is not that we shall never stub our toes, but that no injury, no illness, no accident, no distress will have evil power over us. That is, we'll be able to separate us from God's purposes in us. God is sovereign over every moment of our lives, and he is able to work all things for our good. As Romans 8 promises, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing we might face on this earth in this life can separate us from the love of God. We are more than conquerors in the midst of suffering because of who he is and what he has done. What a beautiful upside down place is God's kingdom. The suffering the world sees as pointless is anything but. It is purposeful. Meaningless pain in the eyes of the world is meaningful in the eyes of God. It's easy to feel when suffering comes that God has forgotten us or that he's punishing us, but truly he is in control and he is good because that's who he is. Whatever you're going through right now, be encouraged. God knows, he not only knows, but he has a purpose in it. There is beauty no matter how messy it seems. He will not let you go. Hold on to him, lift your eyes to your helper and he will see you through. At our Easter service, Alka brought a picture God gave him of someone in a tunnel looking toward the, the light at the end of the tunnel thinking, when I get there, everything will be okay. But as Alka said, God is in the tunnel. He is right there with you. Job, who endured great suffering in the Bible, losing his family, his home, and all of his possessions, then his health, even so he professed, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Lord, give me that kind of faith. Give me that confidence in who you are, in your unfailing character. The journey of the Christian life is like an uphill climb or an uncertain road trip, but we are promised that God will see us through to our eternal destination and that every stumble, every injury along the path will only serve to bless us as we go. We lift our eyes to the hills, not in fear, but in hope, 
We lift our eyes to the hills in worship of our Creator, our Helper, our Keeper. Because as Charles Spurgeon said, the purposes of God, the divine attributes, the immutable promises, the covenant ordered in all things and sure, the providence, predestination, and proven faithfulness of the Lord, these are the hills to which we must lift up our eyes, for from these our help must come. Perhaps you're familiar with the fictional story Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. It's a story of a man, Christian, journeying to the celestial city, a metaphor for life just like this psalm. Christian comes upon the hill of difficulty, and facing it, he declares, This hill, though high I covet ascend, the difficulty will not me offend, for I perceive the way of life lies here. Come pluck up heart, let's neither faint nor fear. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you that you are Lord of all, maker of heaven and earth. Thank you that you are our creator, our keeper, and our helper. Open our eyes to see our reality that you hedge us in on all sides. I pray for anyone who's watching right now who's going through a trial, that you would just lift their eyes to you. Remind them that you are with them in the tunnel and that you will never leave them nor forsake them. I pray for each one of us that you would just strengthen our faith to trust in you, Lord, that come what may, you never fail because of who you are. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Now I lift my eyes to the hills Where does my help come from? You're the keeper of your perfect will You never sleep nor slumber No, you don't Never sleep or slumber And all this journey before me you're my constant supply And when the road isn't steady I know you're by my side You'll keep my life My help comes from the Lord From the maker of heaven and earth Oh, this time and never more You are with me, you go before I will lift my eyes to the hills Where does my help come from? You're the keeper of your perfect will You never sleep nor slumber And on this journey before me You're my constant supply when the road isn't steady, I know you're by my side You'll keep my life because my help comes from the Lord From the maker of heaven and earth For this time and evermore You are with me, you go before Dark of night, no thief can take what you hold tight. In peace I rest, in 
faith I rise And by your grace I will arise No heat of day, no dark of night The thief can take what you hold tight In peace I rest, in faith I rise And by your grace I'll rise My help comes from the Lord from maker of heaven and earth For this time and nevermore You are with me, you go before My help comes from the Lord From maker of heaven and earth For this time and nevermore You are with me, you go before You'll never leave me, you'll never forsake me Always keep me by your side